Nolcast recorded live. <laughs> Those were the days. A tip of the hat to the old talk shoe days there. All right, we're uh, streaming live here. Decided to uh, jump live, record uh, podcasts that we had talked about earlier in the week when I had to abstain thanks to a uh, air conditioning unit that wasn't uh, fully cooperating. And back in front of you guys tonight, Bud, appreciate you giving us your thoughts on your time up there in Charlotte, what we could take away from ACC Media Days and appreciated and kind of enjoyed your rundown on how you built your ACC team. So with that tonight, we're going to have a focused show that is mainly on recruiting. As always, we'll thank our friends at Tarpon Sellers. Tarpon Sellers, uh, world-class wine, great Florida State guys, uh, working out in Napa Valley to create some of the better reds on the market. And uh, we are so fortunate to have them as a sponsor. TarponSellers.com is the website. Nolcast is the coupon code. Bud, let's get into this recruiting conversation. Yeah, man, let's do this thing. So uh, first order of business, I said, uh, you can believe the Hakeem Williams hype as far as FSU being an actual player uh, for him was real. Not that they would get him, but they would be an actual player for him was real if he showed up for that July 30th weekend. And uh, he was at practice today, throwing up the chop as he walked in. You can see that on Knowles 24-7. By the way, they're running a great 60% off promo right now there. So that is, uh, that's that's pretty awesome. The best FSU website in the business for my money. Disclosure, I work there. But again, there's a lot of reasons why it's the best, not just because I work there. Uh, anyway, Hikey Williams is on campus. This is good. Uh, you know, I got to ask the other night, hey, what uh, what are your thoughts on on Ron Dugans? I was like, well, my thought is that Hakeem Williams seems to like Ron Dugans. So that's a pretty important opinion as far as what do you think of Ron Dugans right now? That's a good sign, man. It's I don't know what else to say about it. I don't think that this means that you're going to beat out Georgia or A&M, uh, even if you were to get a commit from him you know, even this weekend or something crazy like that. Like You still have a long way to go. You still need a lot of things to go right for you. You probably need to win, I don't know, eight games and be very competitive in the NIL space as well, which I, I know FSU is, is working towards doing. Um, but that's a big sign that he's on campus. Man and uh, yeah, I, what what did you what did you think when you saw that? You know, there's certainly been some behind the scenes chatter uh, of positivity over the last month or so that's kind of builded here uh, or built up over time. I think it's a great you know confirmation that you're fully involved. This is not a situation where you put a recruiting weekend where other people didn't or something like that. Everybody has the same uh, August first you know quiet period here, so. Uh, there is value in getting a kid and there's an exceptional amount of value to getting a kid to come up and, and show you, you know, again, this is not indicative as to where he's going to sign, but you're a, a major player in his recruitment right now. And I don't think anybody, uh, you know, even those absent, uh, those on the Florida state beat would say otherwise. So I think it's very positive. I think you've got some, uh, some relationships there as, as far as former high school teammates that are, that are helping, um, and this is, if you're going to sign a, a super, uh, elite skill position player, I'm a, f- now, uh, you know, does the list begin and end here? Maybe not. Maybe it does, but it certainly begins with Hakeem Williams and awesome to get him on campus and, uh, up for the next couple of days. No doubt about it. Um, another kid on campus, Blake Nicholson. Yeah. The linebacker. Pretty excited there, man. A lot of positivity here with this recruitment as well over the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, basically it, it looked like it had come down to Florida State and, and Oregon. 
idea that uh, that this has trended in the right direction for Florida State. So we'll we'll wait and see uh, if that ultimately comes to fruition. But uh, I think Florida State's put themselves in a in a good place here, and uh, this one may find its resolution before the Williams recruitment does, which, you know, ultimately I think you're going to be fighting for Hakeem Williams all the way up to what the second Wednesday in December or whatever it is, or early signing day is. But uh, this, this Nicholson recruitment is interesting and it sure as hell would be great for Florida state to get an actual high quality linebacker uh, and, you know, have that as a focal point that they can build around. I mean, We've look, been, uh, you, you saw who he walked into practice, right? Uh, you saw who he walked into practice with? Who was that? Derek Ray, right? Yeah, who's 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 no, known the family for a long time, right? Uh, so, like, that's uh, look. I think a lot of people come to Nolcast because they know we don't try to BS them. You guys know my thoughts on the recruiting of the back half of this defensive staff. So, you know, DC linebacker coach, DB coach. I'm not impressed. I said two shows ago, if Norvell works out long term, I don't think those guys are the guys who he's going to work out with. That's my opinion. It's unchanged. But they like the Ward kid more than I do, so that's fine. But I don't think everybody on staff necessarily totally agrees with that. Uh, they also really like the Nicholson kid. Everybody likes Nicholson kid because he's really good, and they are very lucky that Derek Ray has that connection there. So uh, that's that's big time. All right. Uh, if you get him, that's two backers. That's pretty much all you want to take in the class. And of course, you are going to have to win some games, in my opinion, if you want to do that. But uh, I feel like the staff feels like they can win some games this year, which is good. And if you guys recall, you called BS on this on us last year, but Ingram and I both heard the same thing from guys on staff. What did they tell us last year? We would love to get to six wins. Man, I would take six wins and bank it right now and hit fast forward on the season to signing day. Now, they did not get the six wins, but at the time, that was blasphemous to say. And I'm not trying to do the whole I told you so thing. I'm only saying that to remind you that this year, uh, that's not the vibe I'm getting from them. Now, maybe it's because they know they have to win more than six games this year if they want to work out long term. Uh, that's certainly possible. But I do sense that they're a little more confident than they used to be. So that's that's encouraging you know they've done a nice job building some depth on the roster they've not done a nice job of acquiring uh true top level difference makers especially at the receiver position uh so and linebacker as well so nicholson and williams if you could get those guys uh would certainly be a big time help and i do think you have some unique relationships at play there uh both so it's not just like hey go try to outspend the world with nil inducement type type stuff right it's you do have some you do have some ends there that I think probably frustrate some other teams quite a bit. Like Oregon does not play around with division street. That's their, you know, collective thing. Right. I mean, they got a guy up there who's basically like Mike Illich. Remember when Illich, the owner of the Tigers was, was trying to, uh, trying to win those games. And like, like his family was like, we don't share the same love for the Tigers you do, bro. But like, you're just spending like crazy. It's like, it's okay. I'll run a $300 million payroll. And, and you know, like half my net worth is tied up in the luxury tax for, for MLB. I think Oregon is very much trying to do that right now uh, with an aging you know, benefactor. So, yeah, man, that's some positive recruiting news for them at, at this moment. I think, uh, and we mentioned this about a month ago or so, I think Florida State has its house in order when it comes to recruiting in a manner that they haven't had in a while. So we'll, uh, you know, there's there's more recruitment discussion to talk about 
And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean, as I said a couple, uh, maybe it was a month ago, a couple weeks ago, you know, it doesn't mean the Florida State's going to sign the number three class in the country or something like that. But I do think that they have a better feel for what they're doing. They've got a better feel for how they're going to go about doing it. And uh, they've got a decent amount of support. And you just got to realize that Florida State's going to do this kind of their way. And by that, I mean, like, I don't think there's ever going to be one person that's ubiquitous with Florida State recruiting. There's never going to be somebody that has a Twitter account and is popping off about the, you know, recruits that they're getting or anything else. It's it's going to be a, a little bit of a different operation. Uh, there's not, like I said, there's not going to be one person, one group, one business or something like that. But I do think collectively uh, you've got an awful lot of people kind of rowing in the right direction and that uh, Florida State's in as, as good of a place to compete in the modern landscape as they have been. And uh, to be fair, you know, there was only one direction to go from last December uh, but I think they've made up a lot of ground, and I think they're in a place to win some of these kind of uh, quasi-national battles. Uh, and ultimately, I think the roster will be a, a major beneficiary of that. So, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I, the people I talk to, they they absolutely love Mike Alford. You know, they 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 love Ponder. They think this thing's going in the right direction. They're very confident that the program is in good hands. People on the board of trustees are people who value football and care about football and want to see it go, you know, did you say they right love ponder? Yeah. For the boosters. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't sorry. Sure not, 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 not Christian ponder. Although I'm sure they probably I mean, love, Chris, Christian, I love Christian ponder. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I know like I, I texted these guys today. It was, we were talking about a guy we're going to talk about in a second here in Brock Glenn, but I, I was talking to Shannon and Chad and I was like, honestly, like, I do think FSU administratively is in the best place it's been since I graduated from there in 07, maybe a decade. So, man, 15 years since I graduated, I am old. I, yeah, I, I feel like overall things are moving in the right direction. We'll see if they move in the right direction on the field in terms of wins. But uh, one thing that always moves in the right direction, in my opinion, is the relationship we have with Shannon and Chad of the legendary team. 400 Nolcast listeners can't be wrong. They got their loans to them. I've done it twice, both my home mortgage and my refi. My sister got one through those guys. It, it's just, look, I, I sent my family to them. I believe in what these guys do. It's a great product. They work their butts off for you. They're going to try to get you the best possible loan that they can. And you might get a little friendly Noel banner as well. And uh, if, if they lose games, then you, you kind of commiserate uh, with them as well. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call to get those dudes. Um, I feel like we're speeding through this tonight, but I, I there's not a ton going on. So people asked about, about the uh, the New Orleans office or the, the tackle from Louisiana. Uh, Lance Hurd, again, like I don't put credence in FSU landing top players from Louisiana uh, unless there's like, unless they're actually killing it like, maybe the one year under Jimbo. And even then they still finished second for kids quite a bit that year. Uh, they're just not a, like you, you don't pull kids out of Louisiana that LSU wants for the most part, unless some really weird things happen. So it's cool. If you get them to visit, it looks good for the staff, the whole like, Hey, maybe if you finish second four, maybe he transfers to you. If it doesn't work out type thing, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I'm not putting a whole lot of energy into that because they're not going to sign that kid. In my opinion, it's just not not it's not a thing to me, if that makes sense. 
Fair enough. Uh, why don't we move over to the Brooklyn discussion? So we'll we'll have a a, a good back and forth here, and, and just an honest take on a situation that I certainly understand where some of the fan base are getting a little fired up about. Um, I, oh, I yeah. get it. Uh, I, I certainly get it. I also get the kid's perspective if he chooses Ohio State. For you know, to put this as in as simplistic terms as possible. I think Florida State did everything they could, but you'll you'll you know have probably more details surrounding that idea. And uh, yeah, if if right now if you're Florida State and you're competing with Ohio State and Ohio State greenlights a kid, going to be hard as hell for you to get him. And that's just the reality of the situation. Not a whole lot for Glenn to lose if he goes up there, gets lapsed on some kid that they grab next year or something like that. Okay, maybe you talk to him again in the portal. I don't know. Uh, doesn't mean yeah. that they did the wrong thing with Parson. Doesn't mean anything. It just means that you're probably not going to sign a quarterback at the level that uh, that you want. And uh, the ramifications of that we can discuss after this particular conversation. I, I think you, you you really said it well there, man. Um, them telling Chris Parson, okay, like we're good, uh, is not related, in my opinion, to them missing on Brock Lynn. If they do miss on Brock Lynn, my crystal ball is in for Ohio State. I, I think he's going to pick Ohio State now that it's been confirmed that he's a take with the Buckeyes. Uh, if you guys don't know, Brock Glenn, uh, three or four star, I think depending on the network quarterback, he is going to commit on Saturday on 24-7 sports. Anyway, I'm expecting it to be Ohio State at this point. That's why I put my crystal ball in for Ohio State. Um, FSU got on Brock Glenn fairly early. They recruited him extremely well. He had a flat-out awesome official visit to Tallahassee, as did his entire party. Every other school recruiting Brock Lynn, were like, yeah, he's going to Florida State. That's the word they got from him, right? Our Auburn writers and Mississippi State guys, they all put in crystal balls to FSU as well. At the time, it was not believed that he was actually probably a priority or a take for Ohio State, but things happen. Uh, I'm not sure that Ohio State can get the Novosad kid, you know, so... That's who they sort of wanted to get. Ohio State's in a bit of a weird spot here because they do have Riola committed for the 2024 class. Riola very well might be the best player in the entire country next year, not just quarterback, but like he might end up, you know, he could end up being the number one overall player in the nation. Uh, they also have two other five-star quarterbacks on their roster. So I think your point here is very valid. An FSU fan might say, hey, like, look, Brock Glenn is, is talented, but he also was one of the worst performers at Elite 11, which is true. Uh, it didn't make the final 11, wasn't close. Has a lot of things he needs to work on cleaning up in his game, but he has talent. Why would he go somewhere that he's not going to play? And my counter is, look, man, and this will probably piss off some of y'all, so I, I don't apologize, but I'm just giving you a warning. If I'm Brock Glenn and Ohio State tells me, hey, come on down, I'm going. Because Ryan Day has put a ton of kids in the NFL that program goes to the college ball playoff more often than not. If I don't start, cool. I got coach Ryan Day for two years. I'm a redshirt sophomore. Now I got three years left to play in my career. I'll go somewhere. Everybody will pretty much want me coming out as long as I take care of business and the staff says good things about me. That's kind of the downside. To the upside is maybe I really hit and I play well and I can start at Ohio State. Again, a program which is just in a much better spot than FSU's in right now. Should FSU have seen, and I'm sure that, that 
pisses people off. But guys, like right now, they're really not comparable programs. They're not playing on the same level. Um, FSU would aspire to get back to that level, but that is several years away for sure. And you know, you, you think about like the guys they're bringing in. I mean, Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis. Like, there's no, there's no doubt they're bringing in a ton of studs in that class. So, look, if Brock Glenn picks Ohio State. I, I don't blame one bit. I would do the same thing with apologies to Tokars and Norvell and those guys. I, I get it. Like I'm not tra- not telling the kid where to pick. I'm just saying to me, it's an obvious choice. If you actually get the green light from Ohio state because of the transfer rule. Now it's not an obvious choice five years ago because you couldn't just transfer immediately. You'd have to sit out a year, which cost you eligibility. But if you can transfer you know, immediately, no problem. FSU signed Duffy last year. Norvell has a very good track record with portal quarterbacks as well. Like that's almost entirety of, of what he does is take kids out of the portal and get pretty good quarterback play out of them. If you look at his career, historically FSU, Memphis and Arizona state, and they have a really good guy, I think in 2024 in Luke Cronhawk. So I'm just, I'm not that worried about this one, man. I know that sounds crazy, and people are like, oh, they said they wanted to bring in two quarterbacks, and now, they, now they're going to bring in none in the high school level, which you know, we may or may not know. They may decide to take somebody. They can always you know, evaluate senior film and see see who they like and pluck somebody. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really know that – I don't really know that I would have played this thing differently, to be honest. And there's plenty of times when you guys jump on here and you get the notification on your phone, and I feel like Ingram's like, hey, they messed this up. This was dumb. Why they do this? Or, you know, I'm saying like, this is just not the way I would have played it. For instance, I told you guys at the time, I think they're late to offer Jakeem Jackson. Okay. Jakeem Jackson committed to Florida tonight. All right. You know, like that's, that's my opinion. I think, I think they were too late to offer him. It's not like the most popular FSU podcast in the world has been talking about him for two years. You know, anyway, yeah, that's just that that's an unforced error on their part, in my opinion. But but that's a best court, college sports podcast in the world. Oh, that's correct. For best college. Yeah. So fair enough. Let's I, not forget that. Look, here's the other thing. There are certain kids who you are not going to be in the ballgame with because they think Norvell's on the hot seat. I can put out videos. I can tell you that look, I've talked to some of the guys who have like a net worth of over fifty million dollars who would have to cut these checks. They have no interest in doing so. None. It's football only facility. It's getting NIL more entrenched and hopefully at some point endowed, right? It's a lot of other things. Presentations to, if you can, you know, the SEC, Big Big Ten at some point, making sure that all your, your house is in order. They have zero interest in pushing the reset button again. At all. Like to them, Mike Norvell is not on the hot seat at all. But he is on the hot seat of a lot of these media lists. And look, those media lists, I think, will be correct if Mike misses a bowl game again. That's just common sense, as you noted at the last show. I think we differ on how hot the seat would be, you know, if it's four wins or five wins, but it would certainly be hot either way. Uh, but these aren't guys that are expecting him to win nine, ten ball games this year. You know, they're like, hey, get to seven, get to eight, which is doable maybe not incredibly likely on the eight part but it's certainly certainly possible you just get a couple decent breaks and and you have travis stay healthy yeah win seven win a bowl game this yeah this you know this is one of the rare you and i have a massive 
disparity in, in our, no, no, we do not have a massive disparity in bowl game uh, importance. I don't believe they're all that important. You believe their importance is close to zero. But if they have any importance at all, it's for a program that's in the state that it's in right now. And you need a little traction. You need a little, I hate this term as it's getting overused. You need proof concept. You need to be able to sit in somebody's living room and tell them three to five to eight. You know, we're moving in the right direction. And uh, I don't always circle back to Jimbo Fisher, but, you know, winning the beating South Carolina and beating Notre Dame and those two bowl games were incredibly important for the program to kind of build, find confidence itself, have more belief on the recruiting trail. If you want to interpret that as you can, uh, this is the type of program that seven wins at a bowl game uh, victory would have it in as good of a state as it's been in since probably 2016. Yeah, exactly right. Like we've said this, I mean, since I asked the question, are we just playing out the string on signing day when, when Hunter flipped? And, we, and you know, we may look back and realize that we are. It's possible. I mean, I, I, I can't deny that. Um, you know, here's the thing. If Norrell's going to work out, it's probably not going to be a quick flip around, right? Because they don't have that new coach smell. You're going to have to sell proof of concept. <laughs> yeah, I think we've probably missed the window on quick quick flip at this point. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, exactly right. So, you know, I'm, I'm just – I'm not that worried about, about this quarterback situation right now. Maybe I'll look like a dumbass in you know, a couple of months or a couple of years. But if they win, they have a really good chance of, of holding on to Kromenhock. If they don't, you know, and I know we're getting a lot of tweets about like they should have kept Chris Parson. I totally disagree. I fully understand why they did that. And I think you guys just have to trust me or you don't. But in my opinion, they did the right thing there. You have to be smart with how you manage your resources and with, and with what things you will allow in your program and what you won't. We transition the conversation from there to, to Jordan Travis because they're not totally unrelated. Uh, and, and the question that we've kind of received uh, via text DM over the past couple of weeks is, you know, what how many years do you have with Jordan? And, and is this in all likelihood his final year? Uh, if you listen to the kid, he's pretty clear about saying this is probably going to be his last year of college football. There certainly could be some circumstances that you end up seeing two years here, uh, depending on what's possible for him. What level of professional athletics is available for him? And, um, you know, NIL is interesting, man. NIL is, uh, you know, can you give a kid uh, high five figures, offer him the chance at a MBA or something like that and completely set his life on a trajectory that going and playing Canadian football or something like that for three years would not do. And what I mean is that Jordan Travis is here for two years, leaves campus with an MBA and is able to have a professional trajectory that he would not otherwise have. I, I think that all, obviously this is all, you know, we're all talking about things that are occur after this year. This is all down the road to some extent. But I think you can sit in front of Jordan and give him a path that includes playing two more years at Florida State that could very likely be the best path for him for the next 20, 30, or 40 years in his life. 100% agree. Like, do you think Jordan Travis is going to play NFL football? Uh, if he does, it'll be eight eight to 12 snaps a game on special teams or something like that. I, I don't think Jordan yeah, Travis a is a down-to-down player in the NFL. I don't. Who's the guy for the Saints? Um, 
you know, who's the guy for the Saints who does the like the modified Wildcat stuff for them? Taysom Hill. That sound right? Is that the guy it's that the, the real Sean big white Payton's guy been been in love with for a couple of years yes. now? Yeah, yeah. They they, yeah, they pull whoever the quarterback is at the goal line and and like that's probably what it looks like if he was to play quarterback in the league and it's it's unlikely that that would work right um i don't think he throws the ball well enough to play to play professional football or to play nfl football i mean professional football is technically like down to arena league so you know whatever my thing is if you get somebody to talk some sense to him because like multiple people asked him at at media day and we're like, hey, uh, you know, is this your last year? Are you preparing this to be your last year? It was, it was very clear that, like, yeah, I'm preparing as if this is my last year. I expect this is my, be my last year. Okay. If somebody could talk some sense to him, and I think he's got people in his ear right now that are sort of like saying, hey, like, you're going to go pro, and okay, may, maybe. But if you realize you're, you're going to be a 23-year-old or 24-year-old returning quarterback, who can work on his masters, who's more physically developed than most of these guys you're playing against in college, who would be undoubtedly one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC in 23 if he were to come back. It's not crazy to think that like, like a player like Jordan in the NIL market could fetch, could fetch like 90K, maybe 100K, right? Like that's, that's a very, very valuable player to have, especially if he knows your offense. We heard about Fabian Lovett say, "Hey, uh, like I would, I would have gone to the NFL if I didn't have the opportunity to make some money with NIL." I'm just saying, like, I'm not convinced that this is Travis's last year. I, I would be trying to set set the groundwork now and be like, "Hey, man, you're not an NFL quarterback. It's a really pretty good deal to get a free Masters and you know maybe ninety or hundred K or whatever in NIL if you could get it." Yeah. I personally don't know if it's worth bro- broaching that subject matter right now. I'd probably just let the season play out. Uh, you know, if he's got people in his ear, he's going to make a decision. So be it. I don't know that you're going to turn that around anyway. But, um, you know, being quarterback of Florida State is pretty awesome. And uh, not being quarterback of Florida State and, and you know, uh, playing in Canada or something like that, which those guys don't make a whole lot of money, unfortunately, uh, is not very awesome. And it would just be uh, interesting to see if you don't end up having a quarterback here for maybe a little bit longer than he himself has, uh, has necessarily made public comments that support. So. Yeah. 100%. Um, anyway, looking at the chat, people are still worried about, about the quarterback recruiting. Look, one of two things is probably going to happen. Either you win this year and you hold on to Carmen Hawk or you have a new staff. And they have new, and they they have you know, new coach new coach smell on them, right? Yeah. Uh, some people in the chat will will Duffy hang around if J if JT uh, came back? I don't get the sense that like Duffy is somebody who would would like have to bolt if he's not the starter by year two, especially if he redshirts this year. So we'll talk camp more when full pads come on we've never been a podcast that's made a whole lot of uh conversation you know based off what uh what first day of practice looks like or something like that you you can take some certainly take some things away uh about seeing how guys you know body composition is etc but uh sometimes those conversations can get a little weird too so uh i i like to wait 
until we have actual football to talk about. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about how kids redefined as pecs or something like that over the summer. It's, uh, it always gets a little dicey for me. Um, one kid that is on campus. Decline bench, I heard he was doing. Yeah, decline. <laughs> he's, he's putting those hands together. Uh, absolutely. You know. um, Malik Feaster uh, is a is a kid that uh, painfully. Oh, the DB from Jackson State? Is from Jackson, Jacksonville uh, State. Jacksonville State, yeah. On campus, interesting. Doesn't have a, you know, Florida State appears to be his, his best offer uh, that he's received. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's what it is. We think they have maybe one scholarship left to allocate. Is that is that yeah. right, bud? So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's kind of telling that you'd offer a DB at this point, but um, I will see what comes of it. He's on campus, heard some positive things so far about that. But, um, yeah, that would be an interesting allocation of, of your final resource. I mean, at this point, I think most of the transfers that they've taken uh, over two years have been a net positive. I'm not willing to give them like a hundred percent of that. I they, they do take some guys who miss. I am mostly concerned about receiver, but that's unfair because like the one guy they took who was actually uh, proven was Winston, right? Who then got in that car crash almost immediately. Right. Um, they clearly think they need another DB man. Look at all the DBs they evaluated. The only guy that, that in the DB though, like, transfer recently who i think they kind of went in on was the newton kid who ended up picking tcu and he's going to start at tcu i'm pretty sure i'm not sure he would have started at fsu so like my read on this with how they're using their resources is that they feel they need to take another defensive back so it wouldn't shock me if they take the kid i mean at this point you're probably not adding anybody else It, it comes down to uh, like, do you want to give another Johnny Tryhard a scholarship at tight end? Basically, like, maybe, maybe, maybe you can get an even ten, you know, of guys who just shouldn't be on an FSU roster at tight end. Uh, but that's not to like take shots at the walk-ons. They're they're walk-on. Well, I guess they're not walk-ons anymore. They're on scholarship, but they're still walk-on quality players. Uh, yeah. See, look, we're not excuse making. We can we can criticize when we need to. I do yeah. love the chat thinks we're being too positive. Like us, the, the the podcast that kind of gets the reputation of being too negative all the time. That's, that's a, a me. label I could deal with, certainly. Um want to thank our friends at congruityhr.com. Uh, Matt Lewis has been a fantastic asset for us. Uh, had another inquiry about potentially working with him uh, last week. Had nothing but incredibly positive feedback as to the experiences that uh, others have had and uh, just talked to... Jonathan Brimer over at uh, Select Shades, and he's been working with uh, Congruity for almost a year now and uh, nothing but uh, very positive things to say. So thank you to those who have chosen to support the people that make the Nolcast possible. Congruity HR turning into a longtime partner of the Nolcast, whether it be payroll, HR solutions, uh, anything else. I know firsthand Matt Lewis can help make your business easier and more efficient. I would highly suggest you reach out to him. And as always, if you're interested in a third-party introduction, more than welcome to DM me or email me, uh, and we'll go from there. So big thank to Congruity, Matt Lewis, and his team. And uh, Bud, when we do one or two listener questions, and we'll uh, make it a one of our more abbreviated cast here as we're not all that far away from uh, 
from getting into our position preview series, all the other things, snap count draft, which honestly has become one of my favorite Nolcast uh, that we do for the year. So an awful lot of things on the horizon. Time. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I'm going to New Orleans as well. Are you going to New Orleans? I am. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. So that'll be awesome. We'll do an on-site show there. I thought I knew that. Uh, so listener questions. What do we have tonight? We've got uh, actually a question submitted from the recently referenced Jonathan there. He says, it's almost been a year of retrospect. Looking back, what really happened with the Jacksonville State game? Is the main lesson to prepare for every opponent, or did more factors convene, and did the staff perhaps want to believe there was something at quarterback uh, that practice otherwise told them they didn't have? And how likely that it would happen again to this staff and team? Jonathan, appreciate your question. You want to go first on that? I mean, I think I think hope is great, and hope leads us through things in life when whether otherwise we have challenges that we would not be able to get through. I also think hope can fool you, and hope can lead you to believe things that you haven't otherwise seen. And I think a couple plays against Notre Dame made this staff believe that they had Mackenzie Milton of a couple years ago and maybe even McKenzie Milton, not necessarily pre-leg injury, but that this kid had magic that only came on when the game lights came on because it sure as hell didn't come on in practice. Um, and I think they got a little intoxicated on hope. I do. Uh, and they, they got cute. Yes. I know everybody talks about the one or two plays where they had Jordan and McKenzie on the field at the same time. Trust me, man, if you go back and look at that game, there was a whole lot of other cuteness going on uh in what they were trying to do with that offense and you know ultimately if a receiver catches a ball early you probably beat this team by 20 it didn't happen you had the program's most embarrassing loss uh from lessons learned yeah i I don't think you'd ever allow an offensive staff to basically treat a game as though it was some kind of uh you know madden exhibition where they wanted to work on some stuff that you weren't sure you were ever ever going to see the rest of the year yeah i I do think there's something to be said that they seem to get the team to play hard for them over the second half of the year, and the team didn't quit. Um, I also think they probably misevaled what they had in this team uh, somewhat, which, you know, sounds crazy, but if you take take a step back, and I, I totally agree with you on, on, on what, what went down with Milton. There was this thought that maybe he's a gamer because he's not really good in practice, right? Like he looks looks gimpy in practice. Um. Do you realize that Tennessee played Joe Milton over Hendon Hooker for like almost 10 quarters last year? Let's look this up real fast. I, I, this is this is how we get to 40 minutes because I, I mean I enjoy doing this. Tennessee last year, right? Joe Milton, who cannot play a lick of quarterback. He would be a great tight end if, if he had just you know stopped screwing around with that. First two games, they lost to Pitt, by the way, in part because they played Joe Milton so much in that game. Uh, 6.0 yards per attempt against Bowling Green, uh, 4.2 yards per attempt against Pitt. He also played a decent number of snaps in the loss to Florida. And then from that point on, with the exception of when Hooker got hit against Georgia, uh, he really didn't play again. Hidden Hooker had like 35 touchdowns and six picks last year. Tennessee was definitively playing the wrong guy. 
last year and they started the wrong guy. It wasn't like they, they both, you know, played in the, in the opening thing and like, oh, we're going to go with Milton. No, they, they thought that Joe Milton was the dude, mm-hmm. a terrible evaluation. Here's another one for you. Let's go to Utah. Bet you Florida wish that Utah would continue to play this guy. Uh, wait, wasn't it? Hold on. Uh, you remember, remember Cam Rising? Uh, yeah. Like yeah. the reigning Pac-12 player of the year type guy. You know, pretty good player. So last year, uh, he played most of the games. He did not, however, play the first three games. And in the first three games, this guy named Charlie Brewer was playing. Charlie Brewer is a bad quarterback. He's probably a good guy, but he's bad at quarterback. Um, he did lead Baylor to some wins one year. And by lead, I, I use the term lead very, very selectively here. It's basically just like he was the quarterback when they won games, but they were not winning games you know, because of that. They played him for three games including two losses. Utah lost to BYU. They only scored 17 points. This kid was 15 of 26 for 147, which is under six yards per attempt, one touchdown, one pick. And he's not a runner either. Uh, they also lost San Diego State with him playing. And he played like kind of like crap against Weber State in the opener too. Then they put in this other kid. And Kim Rising does something that's pretty cool. He goes 204 for 320, which is 64%. 204,000... 2,493 yards, 7.8 yards per attempt, and a 4-to-1 touchdown interception ratio. Staffs get the quarterback decision wrong all the freaking time, even when it's a lot more obvious than McKenzie Milton and Jordan Travis. This is not trying to give FSU a pass here, but like very clearly this is something that's that – like this is an inefficiency that I'm not sure how you fix. It's really easy to – think one guy is better when he's in fact not this is why some of these undervalued assets do you think georgia do you think georgia got got it right with johnson no a first round edge rusher you're telling me like they they correctly evaluated him and gave him the right amount of playing time i know they were loaded but you let that guy walk Well, uh, how did how did uh, didn't Van Dyke not play for what the first three games or four games of Miami's uh, season last year or whatever? I mean, it's just uh, quarterback in particular seems to be a place where evaluations get mishandled. But you're right; it is a it is a broader problem, and uh, it's just you know I, I think you're like I'll go back to what I said, and I don't mean to be redundant. Uh, I think you were infatuated by the idea of what might be there, and you wanted it to be true, and. It just wasn't there. So, yeah. Uh, Chris has a question. Says, lifelong Knowles fan from the state of Mississippi. Love the pod. Hands down the best team-specific content I've found, podcast or otherwise. Thank you, Chris. Uh, that has always been our goal, uh, is to be as good of a team-specific uh, podcast as we can be. I have to admit, I'm afraid my listening to the pod may have had an unattended side effect. The first episode I listened was the one during Jimbo's final year where you all reported getting a request from multiple groups out of Texas asking about your availability to talk on a certain day in November after the end of the season. Seems like it was the beginning of a long, slow march to where we are now. Question for the pod. If Norvell's time at Florida State is up after 23 or 24, in what order of these things uh, contributed to his exit and his lack of success? 
Jimbo Fisher and the damage that the program sustained before he had left COVID Willie Taggart, Florida state's out of scheduling, uh, out of conference scheduling uh, the Travis Hunter slash coach prime situation last Wednesday or Norvell himself. Uh, COVID number one with a bullet, like by far. Uh, I think we are going to see a lot of these guys who got hired in 2020 um, who get fired go and, and have success elsewhere. Yep. I want to, I'm not saying that this is number one, but I, I, I just want to say that the Travis Hunter situation, I personally would write off if the other things hadn't occurred on early signing day that occurred. And Wesley Besaint 18 hours earlier or 36 hours right. earlier, whatever it was. It was the fact that you got, uh, slapped around by Tennessee on a kid that you really should have signed. Uh, you just didn't have, you had a bad day. You had a really bad day before the Travis Hunter stuff ever happened. And I know Hunter's what stands out and I'm not blaming people for grouping that, but I honestly think a lot of people would just write that off as a one-time crazy ass thing that happened. If you had not had all the other failures of, uh, of that fateful Wednesday in December. So uh, yeah, it's COVID in my opinion as well. Uh, I do think that, you know, blaming uh, Willie Taggart or Jimbo Fisher, there's some variety there. But when you take a, when you take a job, you've got to have an idea as to what's there and what you're going to inherit. And, uh, you know, if Florida State's here trying to hire you as the coach of Memphis, it's because things haven't gone well. And you've got to be somewhat aware of that. So, um, yeah, interesting question. A little bit different than what we get. So, Chris, appreciate your listenership. Glad that you've been with us for five years as a content creator. Uh, you want to produce content that people can come during surges of interest, uh, like coaching changes, coaching speculation, and hopefully your content's good enough that they stick around. So uh, to hear that you've been with us for five years is is fantastic. So, but unless you've got anything else, that'll probably be uh, tonight's an old cast. No, I uh, um, I don't really. Have, I, I thought he was going to ask us uh, like if you had to make a change, what are the odds that like Lane Kiffin zero? Uh, or uh, Deion Sanders, just about zero uh, would be it. So, well, you know what I've what I've loved, and the reason why I love Alex Atkins even more is that I think most people at this point uh, are like, you know what? Of all the crazy ideas of the next coaching, I think Alex Atkins is more likely than Deion Sanders or Lane Kiffin. So that's nice. That's a nice yeah. thing to have. Prime prime prep happened. So, yeah, you know, prime prep happened. And I think I said this on the stuff. podcast. The only way Lane Kiffins gets hired is if you have an AD who decides he wants to hire Lane Kiffin and isn't going to listen to anyone else about the hiring process. He's not going to listen to a consultant. He's not going to listen to fellow coaches. He's just going to hire Lane Kiffin. And, you know, we'll see. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen that at is... Florida State. I think the percentage of likelihood that you listed on that is accurate. Yeah, that is that is not a, not an option. All right. Anyway, I, I actually think this uh, I think this team could be good. You know, I somebody asked me last night. I was like, "How good do you think this team will be?" I, was like, I, I think they're like a top thirty-five type team with a really difficult schedule, which also plays into the question here, right? Um, you know, you play a lot of these difficult non-conference games. It's going to make you look worse than you are. It's awesome for ticket sales, but if you're not quite as good as you want to be you don't really have much of a chance in these games. I mean, you get what Bama and Georgia in the next couple of years. Like that's, I don't really project those to be competitive at this point. So maybe you, maybe you get one of those. It's just very, uh, very difficult to see that happening 
you know, just given where you are as a program right now and, and how much you know, how much building still needs to be done. Uh, so anyway, that's a factor. That's pretty much the all I got on that question. But yeah. All right, y'all. Enjoyed it as all always. Thank you so much for your support. We'll be back uh, first of next week with a podcast. And then, like I said, we're not too off from kind of falling back into our regular season schedule of three a week. Uh, but very much look forward to some of the preseason content. A lot of fun. And uh, we'll be with you here coming up. But uh, for Bud, myself, and everybody else on the Nolcast team that makes it possible, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week.